everybody welcome back to another episode of big apple hockey and we actually do have a lot to talk about today because who'd have thought there's actually a lot more news that's breaking right now and a matter of fact there is a lot of things that we have to cover so we have a, a jam-packed show for us today we also have a couple uh special announcements to make i of course am your host mark williams and i am joined by the man who is still going through Hyrule. He's a lot further there than I am, Mr. John Pukowski. Almost done. Coming up on the big uh, final boss battle. We'll see how that goes. But uh, rest in peace to wrestling legend, the Iron Sheik, who died today at 81 years old. Um, he was one of the integral parts of what we know is wrestling today. When Hulk Hogan beat him at Madison Square Garden for the WWF title, on uh, January uh, 23rd, 1984, that was really what they called the birth of Hulkamania. Um, then that started the rock and wrestling connection era, which was really the booming point of wrestling in the 80s and gave us wrestling as we know it today. And Iron Sheik was a, a great wrestler, great performer, great character in and outside of the ring. If you've ever seen this guy outside of the ring, he might be one of the 10 funniest people to ever grace the entire planet. He, this guy is just, Oh, he is a walking, he was a walking soundbite. So, um, but yeah, he was just great. I mean, the wrestling wrestling community lost a, a true legend today. So rest in peace, Sheik. And of course the man who is celebrating the fact that New York city's sky is completely orange. Mr. Anthony Larocco. Well, I wouldn't go that far at all, actually. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> we're not really celebrating it. I'm trying to say <laughs> it's orange. It's orange in tribute to the Islanders. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, oh my God! But, crazy I mean, Mark. <laughs> that was. I don't know where you're going with that. That came off terrible. Oh, I was trying to be like you know, it's no. it's it's just oh wow. Yeah. No, well, oh, that's, it's it's not a. a it's not a good thing that the sky's orange. A Canada wildfires no. are out of control, but um, oh nonetheless, uh, you know, big, big Lou, big Lou is alive, and uh, he spoke. He is, he has risen. <laughs> and yes, he has also a lot to say about what was going on right there. Clearly, everybody, nobody was celebrating that the sky is orange right now. And, uh, of course, I will get the, more of the 60-second game reviews for the Stanley Cup Finals. I couldn't do one the other night because uh, my golf outing went a little bit long and I was a little bit wasted. So, um, also, you can still check out my thoughts on... Uh... <laughs> sorry, sorry, Cora. I'll make, sure, I'll make sure I don't pull you off the road. Oh, God, this guy is orange. Oh, man. Oh, the sky is orange. By the way, everybody, we're going to be starting with the A block. And we do have some Rangers and Islanders coverage to go into this one. And uh, on top of everything, you know, check out Big Apple Hockey Trucker Hats, which are down in the link is down in the description. The A block is always sponsored by Speak uh, SeatGeek. Use the code Big Apple Hockey, $20 off your first order. So let's start with the Stanley Cup Finals. Guys, a little bit shocking that the way game two went, game one, hard fought, tight battle, third period. You're thinking this is going to be a great series. You still confident about that, Phil, after game two? Not really. And I don't like the officiating either in this series so far. It's been kind of one sided. And 
this is the last place you want to see something like this in the Stanley Cup Finals. And just the Rangers ended up on the bad end of it in 2014. And we all know how that went. And it, it just it seemed like what was what was Matt Kachuk getting 10 minutes for there? Really? Why did Matt Kachuk get 10 minutes? For, for, for what? And then Jack Eichel falls into a hit that's being thrown. Clean hit. Perfectly clean hit. I mean, I, I, I don't know what to say anymore with this. I, there's got to be some accountability for these referees. And, and I, I, I don't know who they're answering to anymore because it seems like they don't answer to anybody. They just do whatever the hell they want, call whatever the hell they want. And it, it's it, it just goes down and that's the way it is. Deal with it. But something's got to happen. Something's got to change. And these games have just been... I mean, game one was good, but game two was a joke. I think I turned it off after a while. I got, I got so bored of of just watching that. It was just wasn't a fun game to watch. This hasn't been a real great Stanley Cup Finals so far. I'm gonna be honest with you, and um, honestly, I don't think Florida has much of a chance. I mean, Aiden Hill looks like he's barely being tested. It, it just and Vegas is just playing great, sound, structured hockey. Florida. I would say that they need to stop taking undisciplined penalties. But some of these penalties that are being called are, are absolute dog shit. It, it's, uh, I, it needs to, it needs to change. I mean, I would like to see Florida win game three and get back into, uh, get back into the series. But I, I don't know if that's going to happen at this point. Vegas has just overpowered them in these two games. Anthony, your thoughts. Um, I mean, it's looks, it doesn't look good for Florida, but they are going home. Um, again, they say you're not in trouble until you drop one at home. Um, so Florida does have a chance here to get back in the series. Um, you know, granted goes without saying, you know, if they lose game three, it's likely over. So they, they really, really, really need to win game three. Um, if they do, you know, it's, it could be a whole new series. So they just got to take it one game at a time. But I mean, overall Vegas is just, they're, they're kind of just suffocating the Panthers and forcing them into errors and they're not letting them, the Panthers play their game. Um, you know, and credit to Vegas there. It's a team game effort right there right now. It's not just the defense. It's the forwards that are doing this as well. Um, and they're scoring goals. They're just, you know, it's really a perfect storm of stuff going wrong um, for the Panthers. Uh, not to mention, you know, Bobrovsky who, you know, kind of, Look like the Bob of old that you know that won two Vesnas back in the day. You know, when, once he took over for Alex Lyon, and um, you know the first two games, he you know he hasn't been good really, um, and you know that's a huge difference maker. So um, Bobrovsky getting back to his previous form is really imperative. Uh, going back to Florida, um, if he could do that, the Panthers stand a fighting chance. But right now, it's all Vegas, no doubt about it. I just marvel at this, guys. I mean, Florida. Game two in their two Stanley Cup finals appearances was versus Colorado. They lost eight to one in Colorado. And game two, they lost seven to two. So obviously, game two is not really their forte in the Stanley Cup finals. Look, if they go home, maybe, maybe there's a big hit or something that changes it. Crowd gets into the game. And they could they could easily turn this around, like like you said before, Anthony. Just win your next two games, and then that's it. This was a team that was on such a magic carpet run that we all bought into it because all of us picked Florida to win this series. 
we figured Bobrovsky was going to keep it going and that Kachuk was going to keep it going. Kachuk scored in game two. It was without any celebration because they first, the referees weren't sure if it went in the net. Not only did it hit the middle of the net and right back out, but Kachuk, even knowing the situation, didn't even bother raising his stick. I don't know, he just kind of went right to the bench. Phil, I got to agree with you on that 10-minute penalty. That's a ridiculous penalty uh, to, to call. I understand that you want to – that maybe, like, you got to, like, lay down the law a little bit. But, I mean, it's also stupid for him to do. Why do you got to do it? But, I mean, after all, it's just watching it, – uh, He gets cross-checked into the net, too, on top of that. There's no call for him. Then Aiden Hill takes a friggin' Ron Hextall, like, whacking his legs. There's mm-hmm. no call on that either. Like, I, I get it. Kachuk's got a reputation, and sometimes these guys, they like to call to reputations or not call to reputations. But what what exactly are you doing to, to rectify any of this? And, and how, are, how are these guys going to call these games going forward? Because it doesn't seem like there's any consistency, and it seems rather one-sided. Well, you know, Paul Maurice is going to be standing there with the, the numbers up for the rest of the games, but it's, it's, it might be irrelevant if Florida can't get going. Now, the good thing I have to say about this series is the sleeper guys. I picked Anthony Duclair and Brett Howden. Who'd have thought Brett Howden would have a two goal game in game two. And I know Ranger fans. Yes. He's got more goals than our Tammy Panarin in the playoffs. He also played 10 more games. So everybody relax, but it's, it's, it's one of those things where Florida just needs one win. If they can get it, Bobrovsky just needs to get uh, – he hasn't looked good in this series. That The Zach Whitecloud goal and the uh, Shea Theodore goal, the, the, neither one was a good shot. Eight goals in two games. just Yeah. Too much. And Vegas has chased now Jake Ottinger and uh, Sergei Bobrovsky out of that. Anthony, last thoughts on the Stanley Cup Finals right now. Who wins game three? Um. I think you know. I, I think Florida wins Game Three. Um, I think they make a statement in their building. You know, their their crowd's gonna be fired up. It's you know the first time they've seen Stanley Cup action since 1996. That's a long time. Um, I, I don't doubt the atmosphere. In, atmosphere in there is gonna be great. Not as probably good as Vegas because I mean Vegas's building is you know top notch in that regard. But um, look, the fans are gonna be on their side. I, I think they they understand the importance of this game. I think they're gonna come out hard. And listen, if they get the first goal, maybe maybe even get the second goal too, um, you know that that will put Vegas on their heels, and you know the crowd will be behind them. It'll be loud, and you know from there, you know maybe they can go on and, and win a hockey game. So um, that's what I think they need to do. Uh, so I, I think they will do it too. I do think they win. I, I don't think Vegas is going to sweep the series. I, I really don't. Um, I still think Vegas wins, but I, I do think Florida at least takes one in their own building to make it interesting for a little bit here. Phil, who wins game three? I'm going to have to go Florida. They're going to have to win this game. If they have any hope of trying to get anywhere in this series and making this even competitive, halfway competitive, they've got to win game three. If there's, there is no, if there is ever a must win game, this is a must win game. That's not a technically must win. So, I mean, they don't have to win. They could come back and win four straight, but that's never been done in the Stanley Cup Finals. Actually, the 43 Maple Leafs. Okay. Modern era. 
Yes. <laughs> Post expansion, it's never happened. It's and I'm going to agree with you too, Phil, because uh, Phil, one thing that's different from this team and the 96 team, the 96 team was a true Cinderella team. That was a team of misfits that w- just made the Stanley Cup finals behind John Van Beesburg. And they beat juggernauts like Eric Lindros, who was uh, the defending MVP and was – uh, had a, had a good shot at being an MVP again that year. Of course, Mario with 160 points, it was him. Yeah, uh, then you had then they beat the Pittsburgh Penguins, and and to get to the Stanley Cup Finals that year, this team is better. This team is much better. Bobrovsky is going to wake up a little bit. He's going to look better in this series. Uh, uh, Sasha Barkov, you, you got to get something out of him. And um, then of course, yeah. Now here's where and where for life is is saying it's a good question. Do you guys think that they're outmatched? And I'm gonna go with I don't think they're outmatched. I just think the matchups are favoring Vegas right now. Uh, Phil, start with you on that question. Uh, I I definitely thought game one was a matter of a little bit of rust. They started slow in that game, and they even though they scored the first goal. Yeah, even though they did score the first goal, the the overwhelming majority of the play wasn't in their favor in that first game early on. So, um, but I, I think they looked worse somehow in game two. Uh, and there were times in game two where they looked like they were going to get, you know, get on the board there. And then Vegas scored that quick one. And I was like, oh, okay, here mm-hmm. we go. And then Vegas scored again. And towards the end of that first period, and I was just like, okay, like this is a little weird. And then it came out and Vegas scored again to make it three, nothing, you know, earlier on in the third. And it just, you knew it was over then. You knew you just knew it was over. Nothing was going to change at that point. But um, I like this comment actually here from R4VIO81. Uh, By I the way, like, first time I've seen you. Welcome to the show. Yeah, I, I don't like the consistency of the Kachuk calls. He's been shipping all playoffs. Now all of a sudden he's not allowed to be. Which, yeah, I mean that pretty much sums it up. Yeah, I mean that's that's a little bit. You you got to be consistent. It's sort of like a strike zone. I got to know where a strike is. I got to know what to do and what I can't do. Can't just go 10-minute misconduct out of nowhere. So. Yeah, no. All right. No. Guys, we're going to move on from the uh, from the Stanley Cup Finals right now. Game three is tomorrow night, and I think Florida wins it too. I think we're all in agreement on that one. But Lou Lamarillo spoke to the media, said a lot, and also not as much. Anthony, I want to get your thoughts on what Lou said yesterday talking to the media. Um, a lot of it, a lot of it is kind of what I expected to hear from him. Um, I, I will say though, even though it's completely obvious to everyone that, that Josh Bailey's future is is done here on the island, um, he was he was surprisingly transparent when he talked about that. I mean, he basically said Bailey's time here. Um, is over. Um, and for him, even though something is obvious to a lot of people, he still usually kind of holds that stuff pretty close and will, you know, won't answer it or will dodge it. He was open about it. So um, I was surprised by that. Um, I, I, I think that that's clearly something he's going to work on with Josh trying to get him somewhere. So he has the opportunity to play. Um, other than that, um, you know, again, he, he re, you know, he kind of just doubled down on his belief in this group. Um, again, not surprising. Uh, you know, he did, he did say that, uh, what was interesting I thought was that he talked about having five NHL centers and Mm -hmm. that if there was something that came, that came up, 
that could you know help them that he would certainly look into changing the the construction of the roster and a lot of people took that as him saying if a deal came out where they can let's say acquire a you know a winger and use one of their centers as as the pieces that that's something that most people think that would he read in between the lines what he was basically saying so that just fuels some speculation of you know maybe could he move a guy like you know Pajot for you know for a winger or or a D um, th- so that that's kind of what I thought was one of the most interesting parts about it but uh, again I'm I am not expecting any major moves from him um, you know he's a guy that even if he was thinking about doing big things he wouldn't tell you. I just think for the most part, um, you know, he's not going to do anything too earth shattering. Uh, other than that, you know, he touched on the coaching staff and while he, he did acknowledge Lane was coming back, I don't know if you caught it, but he didn't commit to the entire coaching staff coming mm-hmm. back. So I thought that was interesting as well. At the power play struggled, I, I would expect him to maybe switch things up there, bring in new personnel. Um, and then, you know, he just expressed his desire to retain all his UFAs. I mean, that's not really realistic. Uh, there's no way that he's bringing back all of them, Engvall, Mayfield, et cetera. Um, Parise he discussed, which it's more so up to Parise. You know, he wants him back. It's just a matter of if Parise wants to retire or not. So I got to imagine if Parise decides he's not done yet, that that will be a formality and he'll be back. But, um, you know, I, he he did he did say in the beginning, the first question was they asked him, well, why didn't you speak at – you know, media day, like exit when he cleaned out the lockers and he said, Oh, he didn't see a reason to. So he, he just beats to his own drum and said it was because, you know, he, he needed questions answered himself and, you know, all that stuff. But um, clearly the, the guy, the guy does what he wants and, you know, no one's really going to push him on it. So. Yeah, that was a, that was an interesting answer that he had right there. And also when he was asked about Oliver Wallstrom being ready for opening day, he says, I expect him to be ready for opening day. He's already skating right now. Yeah. So yep. that was that was it. Phil, do you have any comments on Lou's uh, presser? Not a whole lot to say about that. I mean, it's kind of just run-of-the-mill type stuff. Other than the thing about Josh Bailey, I nothing, nothing out of the blue. I mean, it, kind of surprising that a type-lift guy like him would actually be that open about a player's status, but – I'm guessing he's looked at it, evaluated his play, and said that you you don't have a role here anymore. We have younger, cheaper guys that can replace you and do what you do. Um, and a matter of fact, Zach Parise could probably fill that role if he decided to come back, and he's even older. Uh, yeah, I think I think Zach Parise at this point probably gives you more than what Josh Bailey does. Josh Bailey may score a few more points than him, but uh, I mean, I've never seen a player that registers on the stat sheet, but gives you so little of actual play on the ice. Like I, I don't, how does he get these points? Like, I don't understand how he gets points the way that he does, because when I watch him play, I just see somebody who's there. I think he's one of those guys that Phil, he could just like do nothing the entire game just all of a sudden flip a puck out and then it's in the back of the net and everybody goes, whoa, whoa how many points did Josh Bailey have? Like he's, a, he's coming up on a lot of games as a New York Islander, like all time amounts. Yeah. And it's unbelievable. So it's, it's just, 
it's just one of those things. I'm just, I, I'm I'm shocked he's still here. There's constantly. one of those games for like every twenty that he plays or so between yeah. playoffs and regular season. And yeah, those those sometimes they do come in big moments, but the majority of the time that I watch this guy, I I, I wonder how the hell he's lasted this long in the NHL. I really do. <laughs> well. Uh, more importantly, going to the games that are going to be played, they announced this week and made it official. The Rangers and Islanders will be playing at MetLife Stadium Sunday, February 18th. That is the day after the Flyers and the Devils will play Saturday uh, on the 17th. Phil, let me start with you. What are your thoughts on the matchup itself as well as, I mean, did you want like more of a different cross for it or, and is, is, is our outdoor games still having the buzz that they could have? Yeah, they're going to sell tickets. I mean, I just wish the NHL would do a better job of promoting them because the ones that we had this past season, it it just, where the hell was the promotion on those? Like, I think they waited until like the last minute and it was so under-promoted, so under-advertised that barely anyone knew about it. So, um I, I think they need to do a much better job in that regard. But yeah, they, they could sell. I mean, it's a spectacle, it's still a spectacle. Is it as big as it was, you know, when the Winter Classic first came out and NBC was promoting the hell out of it? And it was the, the, the then, I, I can't say the up and coming because they lost their two biggest players at that point, but the, but the sort of on the rise Sabres, I don't know. And then the Penguins, who actually were really on the rise. Yeah, I mean, that was big back then, you know, especially Ralph Wilson Stadium, the packed house weather being crazy weather outside. But and they need to do a better job. And they, the matchups need to change. The matchups need to change. We've already done Rangers and Islanders outdoor. Why are they doing this again? Exactly. I mean, Devils Flyers are a bit of a different thing. And I think even Islanders Flyers would have been better. This is one of those moments where I almost said it would have been better if they let the Rangers out of this, like have the Rangers play a different stadium series game, bring in another team that say, for instance, hasn't had an outdoor game paging Florida Panthers right now in the Stanley cup finals. But it's, it's one of those things that like uh, Anthony, you've been to, you were at one of the games at Yankee stadium, right? No, I didn't go to any of them. I was at the devil's one. Yeah. yeah and I was I at the Islanders it. one. So and it was very cold the entire that entire night. I mean, it was colder at your game, by the way, Phil. No, it was it's actually just... cooler at your game. Oh, really? Okay, I thought yeah. it, I thought it got into the single digits at yours. No, no. So we were we were in the teens, and being in the bleachers when the sun hit, it it, it felt like it was probably I would say 20, 30 degrees. You guys were at night, and you guys were in the teens, so it felt like you guys were in the single digits. Yeah. Uh, If I recall correctly, it was Pouliot and Carcillo for the Rangers. I forgot who the Islanders' goal scorer was that night. Brock Nelson. Thank you. Because, yeah, I mean, and again, these are hell of a games, but it's just, you know, I, I, I almost just don't know where to throw the Rangers in with this. Give me something different. And I'm happy the Islanders have an outdoor game. I'm happy the Devils have an outdoor game. Because they're always going to market the Flyers and the Rangers and the Bruins and all the legacy teams. I'm actually kind of happy that they're not doing this next year where it's going to be Seattle and Vegas going outside. And I, didn't, I forgot uh, the, the Heritage game also 
I think it's uh, Oilers and Flames. I forgot which one it is. But, I mean, and the Heritage Classic, everybody's like, oh, there's too many outdoor games. No, not in this case. But, Anthony, what's your thoughts on the outdoor games? Um, I guess, you know, the league, the league loves the outdoor games. Obviously, there's the Winter Classic, which is the, which is the biggest draw. Um, but they do this because there are a lot of fan bases that want an outdoor game. So by including the stadium series, it gets more teams in. Um, and for, you know, the Islanders and Rangers, when they did it at Yankee Stadium, um, it was obviously it's a much smaller venue. This is MetLife Stadium, which is you're talking, what, sixty to 70,000 people. Um, so for the league, it's going to be a bigger draw at the gate. There's going to be more people there. Um, and I guess they, they felt they wanted to keep it to that. Being that it was in MetLife Stadium, they wanted to keep it to like the you know tri-state area, and that's why they included the the Devils, Rangers, Islanders, and Flyers. Um, and the Devils are really good, well relevant again, so it's good that they got one in their home state. Uh, the Flyers are going to be dreadful, but the the doesn't really matter. The Devils and the Flyers have that rivalry. Yeah, it, I think this is going to be it's going to be at least a good experience, no matter how you want to slice it. Just you know, th- this is. I don't know. There's just I, I I just don't have that buzz. But you know what? Catch me in a few months when this starts catching up to them. All right, we're gonna take a minute from uh, DraftKings to do the read, and then we have an announcement to make before we go into bar talk, everybody. So stay tuned. First, let me do this message from DraftKings. Hockey fans light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just. $5 pregame money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot and an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sports app now. Use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at the DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Well, I wish there was a bigger turnout right now, but there is a good announcement to pass on. Recently last week, we crossed over 10,000 subscribers on the channel. Uh... Thanks, everybody, to, for everybody that's been supporting us for the last three years as we started from All Things Rangers, where I was just recording, looking into a camera, coming up with scripts. And then uh, the man that's to my left, Mr. Fulkowski, texting me and just being like, hey, you know what? I really like uh, the videos you got going. Then we start doing some videos. We do a good job with that. The next thing I know, I got a text from Mr. Anthony LaRocco about doing a guest spot, and he became a permanent fixture. So, guys, take a bow. 10,000 subscribers. It's good. Yeah. It's good on, on, onward and upward. Yeah. Right. Um, I I didn't think we would ever really get to this point when we first started doing this. It'd be like, you know, it, just, it was just something fun to do. It, it, it is still something fun to do. It's, it's good to talk hockey and be able to talk hockey, you know, with three – rabid hockey fans and have a bit of comedy in there between Mark's bloopers and all the other <laughs> fun stuff. And just, we're just an authentic hockey show. We just, 
this is what we like doing. We're not, we're not a cookie cutter format. We're not some sort of, you know, following a trend or anything like that, or, or, you know, trying to be like somebody else or just being us. And I, I think that's what makes us fun and enjoyable is the fact that we have our formula. We like it. It works and people like it. And we enjoy bringing good hockey coverage to people. And uh, yeah, this is actually a good question because does YouTube still get our awards? We would gladly take any award we could get from YouTube. So. Yeah, <laughs> I agree with that 100%. Uh, anything <laughs> that brings you. attention to us, I would, I would gladly much. have. I, I, I'm fortunate for myself, I could say this, that I stumbled into having two good partners to have for this. So, and I do have to use the word stumbled into it because if you've seen any of my earlier work without them, it's just not the same. So, uh, Anthony, by the way, take a bow for yourself. If, if you have anything you want to say, and uh, we should just fold up shop. We're we're terrible. We should just <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, you know what? I I, I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I would think Phil probably feels somewhat the same way. But when we had our previous show, like we we got a we got like a feel, like a taste of what it's like to be in. NHL media, you know, interviewing people and, and covering the draft. And it just fueled my desire to like this be a job and that be a job. And, you know, for a, for a little while there, you know, we, we kind of felt like we were close there. And then um, not going to get into that, it's a, you know, different company and whatnot. But, you know, yeah. it, it, it really, really wanted to turn into something. So then obviously when I saw you guys doing this and, you know, I, I kind of came on board, I, I, felt a similar thing where, you know, we, we could take this, we could take this far, you know, we we can maybe, you know, be, you know, credentialed for a team or, or just, or just be a, a known entity and, and just provide people with good, you know, good content that they want to tune in weekly and, and watch. And um, I think hopefully we're, you know, we're heading in that, in that right direction. Uh, you know, if, if all, if all the chips fall in our favor, it, it would be great to be in Nashville in a couple of weeks. I think that would be huge for us, but um, yeah, no. Overall, I love it. I love talking to hockey. I love you know doing it with you guys, and um, you know I, I like laughing at Mark's gaffes. So it's, it's <laughs> well, fortunately, this old man has got plenty of gaffes that he has all the time. So uh, hopefully, not as many. But that, that's the reason why there's a Mark screwed up and not an Anthony or Phil screwed up <laughs> button. All right, uh, let's start bar talk, guys. Here we go. And it's an extra second. There is. Shot. This is the easiest cyber to answer. Let me say beer. I can't even begin to describe. I'm actually going to go crazy. I'm going to buy everybody around on this one. Like, it's also crazy just thinking about this. And we've done, we've done at least 150 streams. If not more, closer to 200, 250, we got over 700 videos on our YouTube channel. So we've got an extensive library, everybody. Make sure you're checking it out. But welcome back to Big Apple Hockey's Bar Talk, where we're gauging our confidence on NHL topics based on our choice to drink. Are you so confident? You're ready to buy everybody around. Uh, so, so I'll have a beer. Oh, I need a shot, which I had a few too many of those this week. But uh, the, the bartender's golf adding, it's a cruel mistress. Uh, so, uh, by the way, why go to the liquor store when you can't have the liquor store to come to you, make it a drizzly night, download the app or click the link down below in the description. And of course the big apple hockey trucker hats, 
unlike this one is right here. Guys, let's stay with the Stanley Cup Finals right now because I actually had to put in one word on this one. Do you know who leads the NHL in goals in the playoffs right now? Player or team? Player. I believe it's still Leon Dreisaitl. It is still Leon Dreisaitl, but active, it's Jonathan Marcheseau. Jonathan Marcheseau is wrapping up his Conn Smythe. Philk. Oh, not a layup. Yeah. Because I was just going to say that um, it's funny that we talk about layup awesome. and stuff like that and all the layup comments and stuff like that. But I think we had the precursor to all of that with the clip from Anthony in the intro to Bar Talk. He said, that's the easiest one I've ever had. To <laughs> <laughs> Again, the best part about that is what he says. What kind of hack came up with that question? Yeah, that that's great. Um, but uh, hold on, sorry, sorry to uh, breaking news. So, yeah, yeah. Um, Pierre LeBron and insider trading um, to, about Pierre Luc Dubois is that our understanding is Pat Brisson has informed the Winnipeg Jets that his client isn't inclined to sign an extension this summer, not even a one-year bridge. Pat Brisson would like to work with the Jets on a trade for Dubois to another team. Why am I not surprised by that one? It, it, it's, yeah. I'm shocking. I'm a little shocked that it came out right now. Um, yeah. And, and, but I'm not surprised that the boy, it looks like he's trying to force his way to Montreal. I would imagine. If um, I'm the Jets, yeah, I don't trade I mean, him anywhere funny. near Montreal. It's funny, that he Maple it's funny that he specifies he's not even interested in signing a one-year bridge. Like that's the wants, part that shocks me. He just wants out of there. Yeah, he wants out, so... Um, I'm guess I'm guessing the writings on the wall in Winnipeg and maybe both him and Shifley are gone. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, David. They they did have a question about William Carlson being a Smythe guy last week. Yes, yes, he is right, um, and that's part of why it's. Uh, I'm not. I'm not even gonna say him, but I think Jack Eichel really. Jack Eichel for me is another one. So um, I, I'm gonna. The only reason I'm going to say shot here is because mm-hmm. by wrapping up, you're implying that he's got this under lock and mm-hmm. that it's to lose at this point. And I don't think that's the case. So I'm going to say shot. But if you were to ask me if Marcia was a favorite for it, I, I'd say he's either one or two right now. And I mean, this series so far that he's having, he's been the man in this series. Eichel's been right there with him though. Anthony, your thoughts? Yeah, so March so has what three goals so far in in two games? Um, three in goals series. in two games and twelve uh, since game three of the the second round. And then Eichel has twenty. Eichel has twenty two points. March so is twenty one. And then there's don't forget Aiden Hill is in there. Um, I don't think he's been tested all that much. That's true. He hasn't. But But the Dallas series, he came up big. But keep going. Yeah, he's going to get some recognition for it, for sure. But so uh, that alone, I'm going to say shot. Just because I I think, one, like Phil said, the terminology here is wrapping up. And also that Eichel has been really good. You know, Aiden Hill has been in the conversation before. You know, Willem Carlson's name has been out there. So, yeah, um, it's a shot for me, but he, he very well, man, winning it. I just don't think he has it wrapped up. All right. And you know what? You guys argue with the semantics on this one. I got to agree with you. Yeah, I, I got to go shot on this. So we're going to make it a hat trick. And 
Uh, it's one of those things that he is playing so well right now, and it's he's noticeable every time he's on the ice, usually because he ends up raising his hands at the end of the shift because he just put one in the net. But I still have to go with Eichel and Aiden Hill are very strong contenders. And, yes, William Carlson's right there, too. I mean, there's, there's, there's a plethora, and I had to use that word, a plethora of Golden Knights you could actually choose from this. So, guys, as we all know, Florida has yet to win a game in the Stanley Cup Finals in their franchise history. Anthony, the Florida Panthers will win one and a half games in this Stanley Cup Finals. Beer. Um, I, I like I said, I did think they're going to win Game Three, um, but I still said Vegas is going to win. I'm unsure about a Game Four, and if and if Vegas did take Game Four and they're up three one going back to the Fortress in Vegas, I don't see Florida winning. In which case, that would be one game, and you know they wouldn't hit this, you know one one and a half games as you have listed here. So, uh. I'll just say beer because shot around basically says there's no chance in either direction. I can't say that for sure, but I think I'm going to go beer just because I'm confident they're going to win one game. I'm just unsure that they're going to win another. So beer. All right. Phil, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to do beer as well. I just, I think they win tonight. I'm not sure if they win after that unless I see some sort of change in play tonight where it's definitively in their favor and they really look like they, they're the hungrier team. Then I don't see how they win more than one game at this point. Uh, yeah, Phil, it's actually tomorrow night because they got to have 9,000 days. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot, finals. yeah. I, I, I had to double-check it myself. Usually they always play on my birthday, so I'm a little bit surprised about that. Um, and you know what, guys? Uh, I, I'm still going to – I'm going to actually guarantee it. I'm going to say – I'm buying around on this. I don't think – I don't think they're done yet. I think they played their worst. This is their worst. They 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 can't get worse than what they were in game three. Uh, game two, I mean, but in game three, I think they're going to come out and they're going to look a little bit better. They're not playing against Patrick Wall and Joe Sackick in 1996 when Joe Sackick ripped 17 goals before getting into the final game, uh, the final series, I mean. But uh, I, I think this is this one looks like the, the Panthers might have just a little more life in them. We'll see about that one. Let's go back to our neck of the woods reports all over the place this week on the Rangers coaching situation the that they've spoken with Patrick Waugh and John Hines Peter Laviolette is still the front runner Phil the Rangers need to hire Peter Laviolette now because they should stop dancing around with him he almost screwed it up Caught almost I backed did, out did and then corrected himself and got it right well, this, this um, is this this is a layup. We we've already we've already kind of basically asked the same question. I, it, it's yeah. You just want to throw it, a layup in there. You just have to do it. Huh? Yeah, I do yeah. want to throw a layup in there because you know what? Because I want one of us to go on a rant about this, and it was going to end up being me. So I'll end up doing it. So this is a free layup for me because what are you doing? What are you doing, Chris Drury? Seriously, this is still amazing to me that this is even up for debate. 
you're going, well, you know what, Peter? You're really the best guy for the job. But we got to interview John fucking Hines, who no one gives a rat's ass about. I mean, don't get me wrong. I actually think John Hines is a good coach. It's just not really for this team. Patrick Waugh, who hasn't coached a hockey game for in the NHL since 2015 or 2016, whichever one it is, and had a falling out with Joe Sackick. We're going to have all that? And you know what? Because, again, I still think it's because the Rangers are sitting there going, hey, Gary, um, sure we can't have Joel? Sure? You sure? Because we, we really like him. This is it, it, it's a layup. It should be Laviolette by now. Anybody else? So I'm I'm going I'm going round on this. And they um, want Sullivan too, but I don't know if he's coming. And if I'm the Penguins, I hold on to Sullivan until the Rangers hire a coach, and then I fire him. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, that's basically kind of yeah. You you pulled. You pulled what we usually do to you, and you did it to us. So, oh, yeah, you, you, you got everything in there. I, I was looking for you to absolutely blow a gasket and turn more red than one of the tomatoes from Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. But <laughs> um, you did it. Just didn't go as red as I thought you were going to go. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think I think David Wood might be right about that. I, and I've been thinking that lately because – they talked about this whole, oh, the, the LaViolette, and they like LaViolette, they like the interview, and then it comes out a day later, John Hines, and, you know, Chris Drury has been sending smoke signals everywhere. And, you know, at this point, now really wouldn't shock me if they ended up with Quenville. It really wouldn't. And, I, I do agree with you. If I'm Pittsburgh, I am holding on to Sullivan until uh, the Rangers hire a coach, and then I'm letting him go if I'm going to let him go, but I don't think they're going to let him go because I heard that he was involved in the general manager search. Yeah, well, no, he's not. Arthur Staple had an article a couple of days ago about the Rangers where the coaching search stands. And he basically said Sullivan's that he's like, it used to be 0.000001 chance. He said, now it's just zero. He said it's 0% chance that Sullivan's going anywhere. I mean, it's, it's sort of like you asked, you asked the girl to the prom, but you didn't co- you didn't confirm or book anything with her yet because you're still waiting for somebody else. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, what, what's what's going on here is, uh, I mean, <laughs> if it, if it's truly if it's truly down between Laviolette and John Hines, the longer it goes without naming Laviolette the coach, in my opinion, that just points the favor towards John Hines as being the guy because you could have hired Laviolette a while ago. You didn't. Um, it's the only other thing at play here, and, and uh, David Peñota was on uh, NHL Network. I saw the video on Twitter. It was either yesterday or the day before. They were talking about the Rangers search. And Mike Rupp asked him about Joel Quenville, about could the Rangers be waiting for him. Uh, and he said that is the other wrinkle. He said, you know, they're, Bowman and Quenville are having their meeting with Bettman after the Stanley Cup Finals is over. Um, so, I mean, the fact I mean, the Drury's waited this long to name a coach, right? The finals could be over as early as what? Uh, if the if Vegas sweeps, you're talking Thursday and then Saturday. Saturday. So, yeah, the, the finals could be over as early as Saturday. So, you know, and if not, maybe next, I don't know, Wednesday or, or so. So if he's waited this long, does he wait another week and see what transpires with that? He could, um, but – 
I I get the sense that John Hines might be the guy. I know Ranger fans aren't going to like it. Hell, I'm not going to like it. But I, yeah. I, there's there's no reason why you wouldn't have named Laviolette the coach already. You had so much ample time to do it, and they haven't. So to me, that states they're not enamored with him. They're they're not. And I don't, I don't think they're why. enamored with Hines either. Well. well I, yeah, that's true. I but. don't think they are. I, honestly, the more and more I think they wait, the more and more I think they're waiting on a word on Quindle. Yeah. It, yeah. It, they're not. All right, so th- they said a while ago, Larry Brooks put out that article, and it said that, oh, well, they're, they're not interested on in Quenville. They're not in on him. They're not even thinking about him. Okay. So they interviewed Hines when? Two weeks ago? Yeah. Well, well, last week, I think. Okay, last week. So if they were really that interested in Hines, they were, he was the guy that they think that they're going to hire. Why, hasn't they, why haven't they named him then yet? You could apply that same exact logic to LaViolette. Uh, that, yeah. that you could to Hines. Same yeah, exact logic. Phil, as I tweeted this out yesterday, the, if you mean to tell me the Rangers, two head coaching candidates – come down to the winningest American coach of all time that's taken three different teams to the Stanley Cup Finals, or John Hines. That's all I need to say. You know what? If this team was in a position where they were either retooling, rebuilding, or they were just trying to get to being a real legitimate playoff team, I wouldn't even be that mad at Hines. I wouldn't love it. But right, I he'd be perfect. I, I wouldn't hate it either. But for a team that's trying to win the Stanley Cup, to hire a guy who's never gotten out of the second round of the playoffs and just hasn't gotten good results in a team, th- this is some ass-backwards line of thought. And that's what also makes me think that they are waiting on Quentin. Because you're not bringing in Patrick Wall. Patrick Wall hasn't come. He hasn't coached. In since 2015, 2016, his first year, he won what the Jack Adams and his first Jack year. Adams. Yeah. That team regressed heavily. Those next two seasons, Nathan McKinnon re- regressed heavily. Gabriel Landeskog didn't look great. Matthew Shane. They lost Paul Stastny. I understand Paul Stastny was a real good 60, 70.2 way player at the time. Still very effective. Top six player. I get it. Big loss. Yes. But Ryan O'Reilly regressed. He was an established player. Matt Duchesne regressed. He was an established player. How could a team that finished that good that one year with, like, what, 52 wins I think they had that year and then go to that, to that, to a a draft lottery team in in, in 2017? How did – yeah, I mean, how? I don't understand how they went on that path. And for me, I, I don't think Patrick Waugh is necessarily the right guy for the team. I, I saw this comment here. I'm going to address this real quick from Amanda. Patrick Waugh will do something that by LaViolette won't do and develop young guys. Well, that's not the case because LaViolette had his hand in the following players. Peter, uh, Philip Fordbury, I almost called him Peter. I'm told with Mark. Um, Roman Yossi and uh, Victor Arvidsson. I was blanking yeah. on the third one for a second. Well, again, so, I'll, I'll, I'll point to you with the days of the Islanders, Phil. Sean Bates, Adrian Acoin, 
Uh, Ken Janssen had his best seasons with under Laviolette. There's, there's a lot of those guys. I mean, uh, listen, I get why people are tired of the retreads and the whole, oh, let's get rid of the old boys' room mentality. You know what? Push your agendas elsewhere, please, because that, it, it, the, the problem is not just retreads. The problem has something to do with the players. The players, this leadership group, it's soft. It's soft and it's questioned and, and it needs to be addressed. And the fact that you can't do that with the current state of the team and the contracts that were handed out by the previous general manager and this one too, uh, you need a guy like LaViolette to come in and, and be able to handle those guys. So even if LaViolette's adding her two years, okay, so let's just say you bring in a new face. You bring in, you would have brought in Carberry or Jay Leach or Chris Knobloch. Chris Knobloch. Okay? They don't win in the period that they have left with Igor's contract. Let's just say they never win. And they're <clears> – <throat> okay. uh, this good question here. How do you fix soft players? You get rid of them. You get rid of them, <laughs> and you can't do that with this team right now. So, or sometimes just you get the right coach that just gets through to them, yeah. and, and then that's it. Remember how soft Mike Madano was viewed as around the league? And then some guy named Ken Hitchcock came along in, I think, either 1996 or 1997. I think it was 97 he first came in. 96, 97 was his first season in Dallas. He turned that team in three in his third year in Dallas. They ended up winning the Stanley Cup. Mike Madano played like a Conn Smythe winner. Unfortunately, he did not win it. But... They play. He played like a Conn Smythe winner and became one of the better two-way players this game's seen in the last 20 years. Yeah. So, yeah, um, you can do that with coaching. But you're, how are you going to get that out of Knobloch, Carberry, Leach, all these other guys? I get it. They need chances to show what they can do. But you don't do that with a team that's trying to get to the Stanley Cup Finals and win it all. You do that with a rebuilding team. A retooling team or a team that's trying to get to that next level. Well, fortunately, we're gonna we're gonna move on from there because uh, after uh, just also to say this one more time, uh, <coughs> Bruce Cassidy is with his second different team in four years in the Stanley Cup Finals. There's only one coach that's done it since 2010, and that's Peter Laviolette, and he's done it a third time if you go back 17 years. So there's another one. Let's go to a general manager that's right that's got to speak to the media today, and that was Lou Lamorello addressing Matt Barzell's position. Anthony, you alluded to it in the in the A block about how Lou was talking about having uh, four or five natural centers, and he could see Barzell being a little bit more comfortable as a center. But they put him on the wing with Bo Horvat. Matt Barzell will play sixty five percent of his wings, uh, sorry, games next season on the wing. I mean, it really, it really depends on what Lou does with the roster. You know, if he if he moves the center out for a wing, then you know maybe not. But I think as of right now, the plan is to start Barzell and Horvat together. Um, you know, they they were they had some really great chemistry when Horvat came, and then Horvat got hurt, and then everything you know kind of was lost after that. So I think they're gonna be stapled to each other in training camp, have them, you know, continue to, you know, rework that chemistry, get comfortable over a full camp. Um, and I think that's where he's going to be to start the season. So um, I'm, 
I'm inclined. I'm inclined to say round here. Um, but again, you know, if Lou were to make some sort of uh, roster move that changes the configuration of the group, um, maybe not so. But right now, I think the intent is to play Barzell on the wing or Horvat. So I'll go round. Phil, what do you think? Um, I'm close to going around and just to see fear, just because I think that I think there's going to be trouble with that team uh, unless they make some moves and bring in a winger. It, it, it depends, and it also depends on what moves they make in free agency or trades this offseason. I mean, is Lamorello gonna go get a winger? I mean, if he's gonna go get a winger, uh, I mean. Maybe, and depending on what line he gets him for, is he going to trade a center out? Pajot gets traded. I mean, I, I don't know. You still have Brock Nelson at a top six spot. Do you try Bo Horvat on the wing? I mean, Bo Horvat's not a great defensive center. He's okay. He's not a great, like, He's good. caliber center. But, uh, I mean, I, I, I think – I think it depends on the offseason and what happens in the offseason. If you can go get a scoring winger, maybe that could change things around and maybe Barzal, I don't know, maybe maybe he gets moved. So I don't know. I, I'm not entirely sure. I'm going to go beer. I, I, I just think that – I also think that they need scoring wingers who can actually shoot the puck and score. Horvat um, seems to be one of the only guys that really can score and they – and then Nelson, their two, their two best goal scorers maybe right now are probably centers in, in, in Nelson and Horvat. So do I, I think they need a winger who can snipe, and that's not Barzal's game at all. Yeah, that's why I'm I'm gonna stick with beer at this because I like everything about what Matt Barzell brings to the Islanders as a winger. He brings them speed, he brings them uh some play off the wall. He could do a lot of things. Shooting isn't exactly his best thing, though. If you would have told me that it's somebody that'll shoot the puck, just regardless of almost whatever situation it is, if you told me he's going to have 200 shots. Uh, sorry, Phil, what do you got? All right, so um, further update on Anthony's update before from Insider Trading. LeBron also said that Alex DeBrinkett, speaking of shooters, um, had his camp led by agent Jeff Jackson submit the list of preferred destinations uh, teams that his client would be interested in joining. So uh, to break at trade talks are heating up. Yeah. He doesn't even have you know any, trade, he doesn't have trade protection. So the senators are going to basically let him pick where he goes regardless. See, that seems interesting. Um, I think it's going to be, I think they will to a point. And then I think if they're not getting the deals that they're looking for, then they'll pull the plug on those deals and trade them yeah. somewhere else. Cause I, I also wonder how many of those teams that they're giving, like what, what the amount of teams are that they're giving the that list for. Um, but he's going to be sought after. He's going to be, I mean, he, I know he had a down year, um, you know, 27 goals, which for a lot of guys, that's a really good season, but um, he's still going to return a decent amount despite, you know, maybe some lower goal scoring totals from last season. Um you know, I also think the Senators, the Senators are trying to, uh, you know, trying to become a playoff team again. I think a lot of their rebuild is is pretty much over per se. So 
if they trade the Brinkett, I, I wonder if they're going to want NHL ready players in return rather than, a, you know, a picks and prospects. Or maybe so. they're just looking to clear the cap because they just they know that they're not going to be able to sign him. And yeah. they've accepted the fact that they might have to take a couple steps back. Because think of this. Stutzler's what, 21? Yeah. Yeah. Stutzler's 21. Sanderson, I think, is 20 <laughs> or 21 as well. Um, you've, you've got, I mean, Kachuk is young. He's still what, 23, I think. He's got to be, yeah, Josh, Josh Norris, Drake Batherson. They're all, these are all. Shane Pinto guys. was the only guy on that list. Shane Pinto. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're all, I mean, they've, they've got young guys out the wazoo that are just hitting their peak years. So, um, they could afford to let the bracket go and still kind of just bring in young guys. Mm-hmm. And and still kind of just keep the same trajectory that they're on. I don't think it'll hurt them that much. Yeah. Well, moving on to a trade that happened yesterday in the NHL, a three-team trade, which involved the Blue Jackets getting Ivan Provorov in a three-team trade with the Flyers and the Kings. By the way, guys, remember like five years ago when it was, look at all the young defensemen that they got stocked up in Philadelphia, Provorov, uh, Gossip Bear, uh, Moran, and all these guys. And now look at them now. Anyway, the Blue Jackets defense still needs work even after adding Provorov. Filk. Get the gif out. <laughs> Get it out. Uh... Get the layup. <laughs> yeah. All right. I, I just, I'm going to. We gotta get like some sort of NBA Jam clip at this point. Yeah. Boom shakalaka. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. Phil, go on. What do you? Any other thoughts from that? Uh, I mean, it's a. You have Provorov, Warensky, Gavrikov was gone, traded to LA. I mean, I, I know that they they like David Yurichek, Um and I he he played really well in the World Juniors. Um, I, I just, I think that they need other pieces. Um, also a, a, another young team, but again, they, they do need pieces. They do need work and it's going to come with time. Anthony. Yeah, it's around, um, you know, uh, Rorensky will be back, which is good. Great news for the blue Jackets. So him and Provorov are, are obviously two very good defensemen. Um, you know, Phil mentioned year check, you know, he's going to be coming up. Um, but after that, I mean, you got Boquist, Bayreuther. I mean, you got, you know, peak. So you got some guys that are just kind of, eh, so uh, they're still thin on defense, even after the addition of Provorov. Yeah. I think also it's going to have to do with the coach, but I think they got work to do with their team defense. I'm actually going to go round on this one as well, guys, because, uh, they, they've got a lot of things they're going to have to figure out. Um, I mean, Jake Bean, is the jury still out on him or is it where we can now officially say that he's not I really think we're, we're at the point where we know what we have with Jake Bean. If he plays, I mean, maybe he can move the puck a little bit on your third pairing, but he's not a guy that's going to provide much offense. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know what? It's sort of like the way Ranger fans thought about Julian Goche, like, they're like, oh no, you got to hold on to Goche. Why? Haven't you seen enough from this guy? This guy is going to do anything. Yeah. Um. 
on a side note, guys, what do you guys think about Provorov in Columbus? There's a change of scenery, although we're going to be talking about another flyer in a moment on that as well. But is a change of scenery going to be good for him? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, can't hurt, right? I mean, uh, he's, he was a good defenseman on a real bad team. Um, you know, then he had that some of that publicity with the pride jersey, and I know he had some eyes on him and whatnot. But, um, you know, he, he's not playing on a Tortorella anymore. I know sometimes he could be a hard guy to play for. Um, I think I think he'll be good in Columbus. I, I do. Um, and the Blue Jackets, they were a hard team last season. They, they got some good pieces, but, you know, they're still going to struggle. But adding guys like Provorov help you reach your goal faster. So good on them for identifying the need and going out and getting them. Phil, what do you think? I'm just surprised that Columbus went and made this deal. Uh, I'm surprised that they would look to bring in a guy that's got limited term left on his deal. I think he has two years left, including this one coming up. Um, and I, I'm just kind of shocked that I, I get it, like that he's still young, and they maybe think that they're trajectory is sooner than later, especially with bringing in Goudreau. And I'm, I'm guessing that's why they did this. Because when you bring in a guy like Goudreau, an elite player like him, and you know you want to start building pieces around and accelerating your rebuild, kind of like what uh, a certain team in Manhattan did with Artemi Panarin. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just – I still think that they're a little further away than what the Rangers were. And they didn't have that elite goaltending piece to come along in that season like Igor did in 2020 and the other pieces that were already in place. So uh, it, it shocks me a little more. But, yeah, I, I guess it's a change of scenery is okay for Provorov. But you know, from one bad team to a slightly better team, I, I guess you're just – and now you're going to go from a Barker to another Barker. And two guys that are got very, very, you know, well-known reputations for being tough on players. So. Yep. And Mike Babcock might actually resurrect his career. He's actually coached a hell of a lot of good players. Speaking about the guy that the Columbus Blue Jackets traded away, guys, the LA Kings yesterday re-signed Vladislav Gavrikov to a two-year, $5.875 million average deal. Phil, Kings overpaid for Gavrikov. Again, a layup uh, because that's what happens in free agency. And Gabrikov making almost six million as a guy who really isn't an elite shutdown defender. And I'll, I'll listen, I'm not trying to bash Vladislav Gabrikov. I think he's actually a good player, and I think any team would be happy to have him on their third pairing. Uh, sorry, second pairing, not third pairing. But um, yeah, we don't have a call option. Uh, yeah, well. We'll figure that out eventually. It I always, I kind of like doing the the comments, but keep yeah, going. Yeah, I, th- I think I like the comments better than than calls themselves, though. We Anthony and I have done that, and that it, it, it works in ways, and then in others, it's it's also uh, it can be a little tough. But um, Gavrikov is a good defenseman. He's really on. Ideally, you want him as a four on on a, like a championship winning team. You don't want him on your top pairing. That means that you're 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 lacking depth more than likely, and he's not going to give you the offense to justify nearly six million dollars. I get that they looked at that Slavin contract 
and, and said, oh, well, that's what he should be getting because that that's pretty much what it looks like they did was they looked at Jacob Slavin's contract and said, oh, well, he's a similar player. He, this is what he should get. But I think Slavin's much better defensively. And, and I think Slavin's arguably the best defensive defenseman in the league. But Gavrikov is very good. I just, I don't know. I, I, it definitely an overpay, definitely a layup. Anthony, what do you think? I'm going to go with Beer. Um, I do agree he doesn't put up the offense to warrant $6 million. And you could also say he's not like – He's not an elite defensive defenseman like a guy like Slavin or Adam Pellick. So why should he get you know close to six million? But you know in this day and age, salaries are rising. You know he's a le- you know he's a legitimate top four D, closer to a four. Physical, um, big. You know does gritty block shots, etc. So I don't know. And he was going to be a pending UFA. Um, you know, I think there would have been a team out there on the open market that might even gave him a little bit more. So um, I think the Kings had to do what they had to do to get to, you know, to keep the player that they traded for. Um, and, you know, they wanted him. And, you know, he he obviously at least wants to be there for the short term with the two years. So, yeah, I'm going to go beer on this one, too, guys. And I, I think Phil, all Phil's points are very true. Like you look at his numbers. His career high in Columbus in points is 33 points. Now, he had 10 points in 52 games in Columbus this season. But in 20 games with L.A., he had three goals, six assists, nine points, and was a plus 12. So if he outperforms those numbers or keeps that pace up, L.A. might have a bargain out of this and maybe a 40-point defenseman. It's just his track record kind of says that's not the guy you're getting. So, um, and it's, it's almost like they're paying Dan Girardi. <laughs> so, uh, and it's just, and, and again, a matter of fact, Dan Girardi produced more offensively than Gavrikov did. It's going to be interesting. Uh, I don't know whether or not it's an overpay yet. We'll see how it comes out soon enough. Back to the team that made that trade yesterday. Reports are that the, the Flyers are shopping Carter Hart. Okay. Speaking about guys that need a scenery change, Carter Hart's got a benefit for a scenery change, Anthony. I think this is I actually think this is a layup. I think this I think this is a layup right here. This is a guy that, you know, when he broke onto the scene, everyone was saying, you know, he's gonna be, you know, the the you know, next carry price and next future face of Team Canada and elite goalie in the NHL. And um, you know, he's he hasn't, you know, he hasn't been good. You know, last year he was absolutely dreadful. Sorry, the, well, last year is in the year before this past one. He was absolutely dreadful. Um, this past season, he was, he was you know, he started off actually where his numbers were pretty good, and then he, you know, became Carter Hart again, um, you know, and he was just kind of, eh, you know. So I, I think this is a guy that um, is still young enough that maybe could can find some of his untapped potential on a new team, and, you know, in a different system, playing behind maybe a better defense. Um, so yeah, I absolutely think he'll be- he'll benefit from a change of scenery. Um, question is, you know, what team is going to, you know, kind of roll the dice on him. Uh, so we'll see, but I think there will be teams out there. I already heard, you know, Montreal is a possibility. Um, uh, what was the other team? Um, Ottawa was another name that another team that I heard. So 
Uh, I think there will be teams that are certainly kicking the tires and are interested. And I'm, I'm actually surprised uh, that, you know, that the Flyers would do this because if they move him, they really don't have many other options in-house, which leads me to believe, you know, maybe if they do this, do they go out and, you know, try to get a Connor Hellebuck? I don't know. Um, I don't know why Hell- if Hellebuck would sign with a team that looks to be, you know. Yeah, rebuilding. I don't get that one. Why, why would, why would ha- yeah. one – why would you give up young assets to go get Hellebuck when you're rebuilding? And especially for an older goaltender who's probably going to be out of his prime years by the time that they're ready yeah. to compete. doesn't make any sense. So also signing an extension wouldn't work right there either. No. No. And who says who says Hellebuck's going to want to sign an extension yeah. to stay with a rebuilding team? That, that, that doesn't make any sense. Same goes for Gibson. If anybody was to, to, to uh, suggest Gibson, another one just doesn't make sense at this point. So, so what do you think? Does he benefit from a change of scenery, uh, Philk? Does a bear shit in the woods? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So, and uh, let's just make it all three of us are going to say the same thing yet again because this guy he's he's tried his best and. He he really needs to get out of Philadelphia, the goalie graveyard that that place is. Uh, last season, uh, 907 save percentage, 924 uh, goals against, 905 save percentage, 316 the year before. I mean, the, uh, 2021, basically, guys, they, they could have thrown one of us in net. We would have been better. He was an 877 save percentage. And this is a guy that – 914 and 917 his first two years people were starting to tout him as like the next big thing i mean hell it, i i know i had him in fantasy i was waiting for him to explode and then phew, he exploded all right so i don't know guys it's just um you gotta think i just don't know what that destination is i'm thinking it would have to be a destination where this goalie plays and maybe he can work hard as a backup to take the job and eventually just get in there. You don't want to put him in as number one, let's say, for instance, Montreal, I think one of you guys said. and Because there's no pressure in Montreal whatsoever. <laughs> so, speaking of which, guys, Cole Caulfield re-signed with the Montreal Canadiens. Eight years, $7.85 million annual contract. 46 games, 26 goals, 10 assists. Canadians have a bargain with Cole Caulfield. Uh, new contract, Phil. I say beer. Um, the reason it, is that it can be right now, listen, I, I, 26 goals in 46 games is ridiculous. I think she was on pace for almost 50 goals. That that's on that's just great. Uh, that's God. I, I, I wish the Rangers had taken him in 2019. They could have used. They could use a goal scoring right winger, can't they? <laughs> no, nah, hey, Phil Dunn. No, no, clearly, yeah. the best player in that situation was. Uh, oh wait, twenty nineteen. Oops, I'm gonna rip Kako right there if I keep talking. Keep going, Phil. I'm gonna shut up. Yeah, no, I listen. I we're all a little disappointed with Kako Kako to this point, and Cole Caulfield would do wonders for this team. But uh, yeah, if. He keeps going the way that he's going, and if he the, the key is to stay healthy. He's small, and if he keeps getting hit, he keeps having injuries, he's going to get hurt more. The physical play takes its toll on smaller players. But if he stays healthy, 
I mean, that kid is going to be one of the best goal scorers in the league for a very long time. And that's 7.85. That's going to look like an absolute steal in a few years if he continues to go this route. So right now, not necessarily a bargain. Fair. Pretty fair, I would say. But it has the potential to be an absolute steal. That's just what I was going to say. I was going to say right now it's fair. So I, I was going to go with beer too. But, I mean, man, he could really shoot the puck. He has a nose through a net. He's just a pure goal scorer. Um, and I, I think, you know, if Montreal gets him, you know, surround, keeps surrounding him with, you know, more talent, I think that, you know, I think this is a guy that can touch 50 goals. He's got, like I said, he's got the release and shot to do it. They don't, they don't call him goal Caulfield for, you know, yeah. reason. And the, the Canadians did the right thing, and um, they extended one of their top players. So um, could be it could be an absolute steal. Right now, it's beer for me. And after all, to be fair, 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 I'm gonna go beer too, guys. I'm gonna agree with you on this. The reason why I'm gonna go with everything you just said, I'm just gonna bring the math in there, Phil. 67 games in his first full season the year before last, 46 this last season. You can tell me how great your production is. Well, you all know what the best ability is, availability. And if if he scores uh, 26 goals every 46 games, great. You better be on the ice because if the Canadians were in a playoff push this year, you know, then it's just – then he's kind of – it's like a useless contract. It's like dead weight. Although you can put them long-term injury reserve and get that off the because you know, let, let's face it, the cap is being circumvented. <clears throat> All right, let's go to San Jose, where Eric Carlson is going to be rumored a lot in the next three weeks that he's going to get moved. And I, I can see Phil shaking his head, and I, I'm right there with you. But oh, I got to get the question out. Phil, the Sharks will not trade Eric Carlson this summer. I was just shaking my head at that contract and the fact that it's going to be very hard to move. So I guess that kind of ties into this. I, I don't know how they're going to be able to do it. They, I mean, the guy just became the sixth defender in NHL history to break 100 points in a season. And, I mean, if they're going to try to sell high and, and ask for a king's <clears throat> ransom for a guy that's well into his 30s at this point has what he's going to be 34 i think and then mm -hmm. he has an extensive injury history uh and a, a terrible contract i don't think he gets moved to san jose is not realistic about what they expect to get in return so i'm gonna say i'm gonna say round just because i i don't think that there's a chance that he gets dealt because i i i think that they're going to ask for the and they're not going to get what they're looking for, and that's going to be it. What's going on over there, Anthony? Yeah. <laughs> Dora's, Dora's watching Little Mermaid. Oh, that's cute. All right. um, I'm going to say I'm going to say beer. I, I know they talked about it around the deadline. I said to myself, how there's no way they can make a move like this right now. It's a summer deal, but even now in the summer, it's complex. You know, a team's going to want the Sharks to retain a decent amount on on that salary. 
um, which is going to be tough. Um, and there's, you know, even if you do retain some salary, it's still, you know, maybe what? If you're taking on $8 million on a guy for four years left on the contract, that's a lot to ask for. Um, and also, too, I think Carlson's the type of guy that is only going to go to a few places. Um, and so that, that affects, you know, who, you know, the Sharks' ability to trade him, too, because if he only gives two or three teams, you know, that might make it almost virtually impossible depending on what those teams' you know, cap situations are and whatnot. So I'm not going to say there's no chance because the summertime – is the time to make a move like this? I'm just not sold that it's going to be able to happen. So I'm okay with you saying that, Anthony. So now you have to dare me to say this, and I am. Eric Carlson ain't going nowhere. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just <clears throat> buy a beer on that one. Let's see. Mike Greer what? has an Allen Houston, Houston situation on his hands. Yes, he does. Yeah, John Radigan, That's a great like reference. I loved Allen Houston as a Knicks fan growing up, and yeah, that. Um, Definitely feel that one because Allen Houston became an albatross with all the injuries. Yeah. And look, uh, and the funny part is that Carlson became the first defenseman to score 100 points in a season, and no one on his team scored 80. And he's the first defenseman to score 100 points and lead his team in, in scoring. I, I, There's no way you can move him. If, if I'm the opposing GM... I would I I whittle this down to the Patrick Kane trade and be like, you realize how many hoops I gotta jump through? This is why I talk about when a guy's got a full no move clause and an eleven and a half million dollar salary, it's actually two no trade clauses. Good luck trying to get both of those to work. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, you better have better better shot of having lightning come right out of your butt. And um Blackhawks uh sign resign Anthony CU. Two years, four point two five million AAV. It's June seventh. I'm surprised all these things are happening right now. Yeah, I have one more, guys. I'll bump it to next week. We'll uh, we'll take. Mark, Mark, Mark doesn't have uh, Mark doesn't have anything to add on that because he it's he has a hard time pronouncing his name. So he just, <laughs> just, moved, he just moved along. <laughs> That's uh, wait. Where's the um twenty? He had um he actually had twenty goals, twenty goals, twenty assists, forty points on a dreadful team. So I know someone's got to score, but um he had a good year. So Chicago's <laughs> Chicago needs all the help they can get reaching the cap floor too. So um why not bring him back? And um who knows? Maybe he gets a shot playing next to Connor Bedard. You know, so that that's a good situation Ooh, for him. Geez, yeah, I did have one more for you guys. I gotta get. Anthony Sio's got wheels. He he could really fly, so he he could gel well with a guy like Connor Bedard. He couldn't play with Connor McDavid. He, he, uh, so Anthony Sio couldn't gel with McDavid, and Bedard is more of a shooter. Anthony Sio's not really much of a playmaker. I, I get what you're talking about, like why you would think that because of the talent, and, and then just you know Anthony Sio's speed being a compliment. But again, I just don't think that that's it's it's practical. And not only that, but Bedard's really not known for his speed. He's fast, but he is yeah. not David fast. And and that's really you're you're looking at skill, hands, hockey sense, and and scoring ability. That shot is just 
unreal, man. He's got like an elite NHL level shot already. Yeah. Yep. He's he's got all the tools, Phil. I don't think he's ever gonna put it all together. Who? Athanasio. I I don't think he's got a an NHL game. I got it right, right? Did I get it right? Bedard. He's talking oh, about Bedard. Bedard. <laughs> Could Connor Bedard's already a top twenty player in the league? He hasn't laced it up yet. But oh, Mark, guys. I, I don't know. That's not Anthony Ciu is already a guy who is already is a guy who's already had a thirty goal season. He just had twenty goals. So to say he's not going to put it together and be an NHL player, he is an NHL player. He's been in the NHL for a long time now, and he's been a regular. So, um, you know, that's flash the mark messed up there. No, not really, because what I'm saying is that still there's a lot of things that he's got to do. Uh, I'm trying to look up his stats right now. Here we go. Eight, yeah, 20-goal season 30. this year on a bad team, so he was getting the ice time. On L.A., 11 goals. On L.A., 11 goals. With Edmonton, and I think he had a goal. He only played nine games in Edmonton, and I think the goal came on his first game. Like, that was really a thing. Yeah, 30 goal season of Detroit. Congratulations. That's 2018, 2019. And that's 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 about it with him on that. Uh however, by the way, one thing I would love to report is ratings are up across the board in the NHL, especially after uh Time Warner and Warner Brothers, uh Warner Brothers Discovery, WBD, uh reported this. But Anthony, the NHL has proved it doesn't need traditional hockey markets. Well, to get good to get good ratings. <laughs> um, um, sh- shot. Okay. Shot. Uh, I mean, I understand that it's it's right now it's two untraditional hockey markets playing in it, but you know, for the most part, though. You know, having a you know Canadian team or an original six or just a, a maybe a little bit of a bigger market team usually equals higher ratings. But um, you know, it's good that Florida and and Vegas is having more eyes on it than usual. Uh, I think part of that is you know TNT's coverage has been really good for sure. Um, but overall, no, I think typically this goes against what majority of the time usually happens. Phil, what do you think? I'm going to say beer. I, I don't um, – I, I wouldn't say this, but I also – I mean, it's good to see that they're getting ratings despite two non-traditional markets in the finals. Um, maybe it's uh, – maybe it's somewhat of uh, a testament to better advertising. Uh, I mean, I don't know if I'm ready to say that yet either, but I, I wouldn't go this far, but I get, like I said, it's just good to see that they're actually getting decent ratings. Damn it, TNT Mark. has done a fantastic job. I'll say that ESPN, they're getting higher ratings, but ESPN, by the way, we've talked about this all the time. They got a long ways to go in their presentation of the game and the amount of respect that they've had for the game. But TNT, fantastic. It, it's easier for people to find. What's remarkable about this to me, guys, is <clears> that <throat> in the second round, you still had an original six team plus the, the league's most dynamic player. In the conference finals, 
You then had none of that. You had Carolina, not exactly traditional. A Florida, not exactly the, not the right Florida f- franchise as far as they go because Tampa Bay always has gotten r- good ratings. Um, uh, then you had Vegas and Dallas. And what they've done is they've succeeded. They, they've done everything that you could ever hope for and more. I mean, and even if you go to the second round, it's, it, there were no Rangers. There was no Bruins. Uh, I mean, they had the Maple Leafs for five games. That was about it. And then McDavid, like I said before. But, I mean, this is – if the league can keep growing like this, by all means, you know, that's, that's great. Batman would love this. I do have to say this. I think you need a story. And the Florida Panthers became a story. After they beat uh, the Bruins and then after they rolled the Maple Leafs, they then became a story. And then it was capped off with a four-overtime game. Everybody talked about that. That's what helps when you have a tr- non-traditional market, the story. So that's, you know, that's what I just think when it comes to that. All right. Uh, all right. Yes. We actually got to work on uh, backgrounds for you, Anthony. Yes. Yeah. That's Ilya Sorokin's behind me. <laughs> See, I wanted to toy around with that. I haven't been able to toy around with that at all. But yes. Ilya Sorokin, as well as, by the way, Anthony, there was um, a trade somebody on Twitter suggested, and that was uh, Sorokin and, and Barzell for Hellebuck and Shifley. I saw and it. I said, terrible. would be insane. No. Nah, well, that's that's um, just done. Some, uh, some questions I saw that going – you know, yeah, let's this, go. Let's get some questions. Trade Bailey to Blackhawks. Uh, definitely not throwing DeFour. Bailey's got one year left, and his actual salary in dollars is less than his cap hit. He, he's, his cap hit's $5 million. He's only owed three three point five in actual in actual cash. Um, the the ad to get Bailey is nowhere near as much as DeFour. So um, you might be able to get the team to take Bailey by just adding a third-round pick or a low – you know, or low level prospect at this point. Maybe if it was, you know, two years ago where the guy still had two, three years left on his deal, yes, but not now. Um, a team like the Blackhawks or Ducks are going to need help getting to the floor. So actually, that's a real possibility that Bailey goes to a team like that. My question is for you right there what's the difference between cap hit and money owed? So cap hit is flat, it's what's it's what gets charged to your your salary cap, um, the money owed is the actual dollars that the team still has to pay to the player. <clears throat> okay, so it's where you get charged, but the the cap hit, that's all that – I mean, because most fans will just care about what the cap hit is, but actual, yeah. like, organizations will care about how much money is owed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, what else we got? Another one. I'm just scrolling up. Another one from Alan. If um, Cole Caulfield could play at his size, why in the aisles bring up Ruslan Ishikov? Um, well, Cole Caulfield was much uh, higher rated of a, of a prospect, of a player. Um, so that's one. Um, Ishikov doesn't have the elite shot that Caulfield has, although he did have a real impressive year in Bridgeport. Um, he does ooze speed and skill, and I think at some point the aisles will give him a look. But this is a guy that, you know, was finally turned pro and came to North America. 
Um, you know, I, I still think they want to see his game grow, but I'm not saying he's never going to get a shot, but he's just nowhere near to the caliber of player Caulfield was. So that, that basically answers your question there. Uh, there was one that I started before and I got to go back to it on the conversation about Joel Quenville. Uh, Justin is asking or commenting. I've seen some Ranger fans say if they hire Quenville, they're going to have to make a tough decision and stop rooting for them. Guys, on the topic of Quenville, I think I've asked this before, but I'm going to have to ask it again. He gets reinstated tomorrow. Is that stain on him forever and nothing could ever take it away? Or, I mean, never never take it away because it's going to be there forever for, um, for everyone that was involved in that scandal. But does it come down to whether or not you, you, you stop rooting for your team? If he becomes your head coach, I mean, you don't go that far. I mean, for me, like obviously, diehard Islander fan. I'm always going to be an Islander fan. I, you know, so in the Rangers' case, you guys, and you're still going to surely root for the Rangers. You might be disappointed, but at the end, also too, at the end of the day, um, you know, I've been the first to say this. I hate like cancel culture. I don't like when guys get you know, do something and, you know, people call him to be blackballed, not be able to earn a living anymore. Like, I don't like that either. Um, I, I do think people are, are owed second chances. And even though I, I, I think Quenville is an adult that should have known better, he was one of the 17 year old kid making mistakes. So I think it, you know, the, it just rings a little harder against him. Um, with that said though, you know, you gotta, you gotta give the guy a second shot. I mean, it's not like, you know, what he did was bad, but, you know, there are athletes who've done far worse and resumed their career. So him turning the other way for what was going on, it's hideous. But again, um, I, I think he deserves another shot. So so be it. With that said, I, I don't blame a lot of Ranger fans for being disappointed if they hire him, not supporting them at all. I mean, that's a little that's a little too much, in my opinion. But uh I could see why they would be disappointed if, if they do hire him. I totally get that. It's just the guy deserves to get a second chance at some point. So, Phil? I'm not going to stop rooting for them if they hire Quenville. And, and you know what? If you want to, go ahead. It's your choice. It's not just not something that I'm going to be personally doing. If you feel that strongly about it, then – fine do what you're gonna do um, i mean but but by all means if that's the case stick by your convictions don't don't go go on twitter uh, speak your outrage say how outraged you are by this and by month two let's say the rangers are winning or or even if the rangers are losing and then going oh well i still support the team in some way no you stop supporting the team now you could you could be upset about this because because the, the other part of it is <laughs> What exactly is the precedence for this that says how long this guy should be out or anything? I mean, well, that's again, the discussions always come down to is how long yeah. should this guy have been out for? How long this and that? I mean, Michael however, Vick, I don't think a year is enough. Michael, Michael Vick ran a dog fighting ring and he was out for how long? I mean, he ran he ran an entire dog fighting ring, was responsible for the deaths of how many animals? In that, uh, yeah, well, Greg Hardy uh, was a convicted, uh, convicted of domestic violence. Convicted, yeah, I mean, he, Greg Hardy, yeah, another one. 
And why? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, listen, I, I get it. Like, what, what, what Quenville did was disgusting by just kind of brushing it aside. But there are people who have done far worse, have served less time, and have, have come back. And nobody talks about it anymore. Because I, I, it depends on the person. depends on what they did. It just, I, I don't know. I, I don't like what Quenville did at all. And I'm not no, 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 that no. the Rangers hire him. Um, if they hire him, they hire him. That's, I, listen, I have no say in the process. So if they hire him, they hire him. If they yeah. don't, they don't. All I care about is seeing my team win. Um, if you want to leave and you want to um, be, I mean, if you want to be, uh, you know, if you want to not, not root for the team anymore, okay, that's your choice. That's your choice. But, I mean, at, at some point, it, it's, it, it's got to, you know, like there, there's, there's got to be some level of, I guess, of a definition because there's how yeah. long is this guy? If if you're saying that you know people deserve second chances, okay, I do agree with that. Uh, if you're saying that, then why? Then then how long is it until he gets a second chance? And what determines that length? Uh, I, I I feel like there's so much gray area here that you that you can ne- you can't really quantify. There's nothing. Mm-hmm really to quantify anything with and And there's a lot of coaches and there's a lot of players that i'll ask the same thing about eventually though it gets the point of i don't want this guy on my team i don't care how good some player is if if he's a headache no absolutely not i'll I'll dump him i don't care It, it you can't have here's the thing and i've said this before if the if the rangers waited and and hired quenville 50 questions in the uh, in the first uh, press conference. 40 of them are going to be about the Blackhawks. Yeah, exactly. It's And yeah. the only thing for the Rangers is it's a distraction. Michael Vick was in jail, but yes, he was in jail for a far less amount of time than he should have been. Two years. I believe it was just two years, just under that. I think it was 18 months. Yeah, so, I mean, if any one of us did that, we were in jail for how long? And he came back. He came back with the Eagles, was a backup quarterback for, I think, a full year. They moved McNabb to the Redskins, and then he just exploded and took off again. And and he was pretty good for a while. Now, let me go with uh, – yeah, let's go with that question from Wicked. How do you guys think Abercroft helps or hurts Mayfield's market, Anthony? I don't think much – I mean, Scott Mayfield's not getting – Five point eight million. I think, I think there's a team, teams that are certainly gonna, you know, maybe even extend to, you know, four and a half for him. Um, now, because now that he's off the market too, I mean, when you're talking just like straight defensive defensemen, I mean, there's Klingberg out there, but he's more offense. There's Dumba out there. I mean, he's probably a little more of a mix, but maybe more so offense. He's uh, much Sever- more Severson. Again, he's more offense. So Scott Mayfield is trending right now to being is going to be one of the top, you know, defensive defensemen out there, a reliable number four. So 
I think there are teams that are going to be knocking on his door on July 1st and offering upwards of four and a half million. So I, I don't know if Gavrikov's contract today really affects Mayfield much, but I do think he, he can get four and a half and, you know, maybe even, maybe even a little more, maybe team, you know, 4.6, 4.7, but I, I don't think he's getting a five, but I do think there are going to be a lot of teams interested in him. There's, there's a name that's going to come up. We're probably have to do a segment on him next week. Vince Dunn. He's going to be getting paid very nicely. Um, Evan Bouchard is coming up. There's another one. I wonder where Goss Bear goes. He's kind of a bit of a. Again, he's a, he's another one. He's a he's an offensive puck moving defenseman. Um, so I know you're. I don't know if you're still on Scott Mayfield, but he's not going to affect Scott Mayfield. Goss Bear. No, no, yeah, I, I no, would so. definitely not say that. I, 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 think, I agree with you on that one. I do think Gabrikov might help him a little bit because I do think they're similar players. I think they're on that type of level. I think Gabrikov might be a little better than Mayfield, I would say, but not by a ton, not by like a wide margin. Um, I think Mayfield should come in somewhere around four, four and a half. But I wouldn't be shocked if some team went to five, especially after this now. Um, again, free agents always get overpaid. So I would say maybe Mayfield could hit five. I just don't know. With uh, Going to this one that I had earmarked before, David was saying uh, if the Hellbuck rumors are true – then the Jets are starting over. I think the Jets are tearing it down. No, I, 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 I really think don't. Go ahead, Ed. No, I was going to say, I read that they don't want to tear it down. Like, it, they they still want to, you know, they still want to compete. And if they do make some of these trades, they're going to look to do them in hockey trades, more or less, instead of, you know, picks and prospects. So, I know for Jets fans, you see, you know, PLD wants out. Hellebuck may not sign. Shifley's one year. So, it's tough, and with those names, you know, wanting out, it's hard not to think maybe we should just rebuild, but I, I think they would prefer to move them in hockey trades. Maybe hard, but I think that's what they prefer. The problem is, is you need players with term to make hockey trades, and you yes. don't have that here. Unless you find another player that's in the same situation with same amount of term that also wants out from where he is. That's so, true. I, I, I don't see how they do that, and eventually I, I think that – they probably will try to start over if that's the case. So if Hellbuck wants out, you have nothing in net after him. No. Nothing in net. There's, mm. there's nothing in that system that's going to come up and help them and win. So who are they getting in free agency in net? And then not only that, but Dubois wants out. That's a top six center. So your center depth is what after that? Shifley and then what else? You know, it's – it's not great. Lowry as a two? No. Yeah. No way. Lowry's a good three. A great four, decent three, but not a two at all. So. I, I also wonder if they move on from Blake Wheeler, which, I mean, his, his age and his salary, that might be a little harder to do, but he's another now, guy that I think they want to move on for. Who is taking that deal? Is it one? He's got one year left, not two, right? If it's one yeah, year. He's got one yeah, year he's left. one year, yeah, 8.25. So. I mean, like 8.25, Mark? 8.25, yeah. Yeah, 8.25, yeah. So 
that that's that's really hard at his age and then with his set like his production diving the way that it has at mm-hmm. his age i mean he's gonna be 35 team trade list good oh. luck Oof. oh man that's bad that is really bad that puts winnipeg in a real corner unless he's willing to wait for another team that's not on that list. Yeah. And he might because, I mean, it's one year left. I, I think there would be less probability of it if there was more term left on the deal. I mean, uh, I don't know. I, I just – I think that you're going to have a real hard time finding someone for him to begin with, and then you might have to retain a little bit on that deal. So yes. thankfully it's only a year, so it's not long retaining. And so maybe they could still get something decent out of it. But I, I, I just it's an old aging court. Shifley's aging, Wheeler's yeah. aging. I mean, Morrissey is up there in age. I believe he's what, 29? But he, he's uh, probably a guy you? that him him and I would say him and Kyle Connor are, are two guys that they that they are would not trade. They're like almost like untouchable. Morris yeah, and he, and he's got a the really good deal, too, going forward. I don't think he's going to continue with the pace that he played this year where he was nearly a, a, a point per game. Yeah. But, I mean, if he's still – let's just say he's still like a 60-point, like real solid, good two-way defender, that's still even a steal at six six point one two yeah. five million. I think he's making. And so, yeah, $6.25 million. But he also has no movement clause until after the 25 season, 2024-25 season. And then that turns into a 15-team no-trade list. So This this is another guy that's that's not going anywhere from, for many reasons. I mean, one, he's the key's the captain. Um, two, say what you know, say what you want to say about him. You know, he's he's slowed down, which is true. He's not the best skater, you know, he's one-dimensional in scoring. But this is a guy that has back-to-back 28-goal seasons. So he, he's, still, he's still a useful player. Um, you know, like I said, he, you know, he pulls the team into the fight. And then on top of all that, the guy was a finalist for the, just today. The King Clancy Award was basically mm-hmm. like, that stuff for your community. That goes a long way. And he's, there's no way they're trading a guy like that. He's their captain. I know the contract, um, you know, is not going to probably age well. But nope. again, um, you know. 28 scored 28 goals. He's still useful in front of the net. It's just not happening. So it's not really worth talking about. It's he's not he's not going anywhere. I wouldn't say it's uh, not worth talking about. I, well, I whether it's, it's, it's just yeah, that it's not gonna happen, Phil. Because exactly. like, all right, so look at it this way. You have seven million for a guy that scores about twenty-five goals, fifty points a year. That's not great. It's not terrible either. This team needs legitimate finishers. Legit- they do, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I get the intangibles that he brings. But this game that you see today is geared towards two things, possession and speed. And Anders Lee is probably in the bottom 10 percentile of fastest skaters in the league. Yes. He is not a fast skater at all. Great but- in front of the net. Great along the boards. Definitely things that you need to score goals with. 
but you got to look at that and say, hey, he's making seven million a year for the next how many years, and yeah. he's about to turn thirty-three. Yeah, that's. I get he's the captain, but I would really. What have you won with him? Well, they they always had they they were knocking on the door of the Stanley Cup final. So they had two years of success. And I'm not listen, I'm not trying to pin anything on Anders Lee, but we're talking about Anders Lee and we're bringing up the term captain as if like he's a great great captain. I'm not saying he's a bad one, but if you could get something better for Anders Lee that could either improve the team's future or improve the team's present, you're not going to move him because he's the captain? Uh, to me, that just, I don't know. It, it sounds like you you want to stay where you are instead of taking a risk to advance. Hmm. I, that's that's what it sounds like to me. I mean, I, I asking would, this. Go ahead, Anthony. I would, I would move him in a perfect world, but I'm just saying when you, when you factor in his contract, which, again, $7 million, it's, it wouldn't be easy to move. And then you consider everything else on top of that how he is the captain, you know, how he is still scoring nearly 30 goals, it's probably not worth it to give up what you would have to give up to move him. So yeah. you're stuck with him at this point. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah by the way, no, no trade, full no trade clause until after this season. And then it becomes a 15-team list. So, I mean, the possibilities to move him, not only that, but again, turning 33 in less than a month. And then he's going to be 34 the time, by the time the next season starts. And those legs are going to slow down even more as he gets older. So then you 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 turn him into basically what the Rangers had with Tim Kerr in the early nineties. You yep. want you want that on your team? I mean, I'm not saying he's going to decline that quickly, but I would look into moving him to see if you could get something decent after that becomes a 15 team no trade clause. And, and they do the, need the some speed on the wings. And yeah. Oh yeah. They as much as that would kill their size, uh, I could guarantee one team that he would he would be okay going to is the Minnesota Wild. <laughs> He's from there, yeah. I mean, you could yeah. point. How is Minnesota could... going to afford that, though? I have Remember, no idea. They have their own cap problems to deal with. Yeah, yeah. So you you might have to scratch them from the list unless they get real creative. It's the same thing. How Blake Blake Wheeler would probably agree to go to Minnesota, but again, because he's from there. Wild aren't going to be able to afford that. David's asking, do the Rangers bring back Mikola or go with Jones or Robertson and hope it works out? In an ideal world, I think they bring back Mikola because I don't think Robertson's ready, and I'm not sure if Robertson's ever going to be that number three left side defenseman that they were hoping for when they drafted him. Um, I, I think – they probably bring back Mikolo or they probably try to go with a, a, a similar cheap depth defender. But I like the way that Nico Mikolo played in New York. And I, I think he played really well for them. I think he skates surprisingly well for a guy his size. He's not a great, great skater, but he's better than you would think by looking at his frame. Um, he's lanky and rangy and he does play physical. Uh, he just needs to cut down on some of the penalties a little bit. But, I mean, that's showing that he is playing physical. But um, I, I think they would like to bring him back. I, I just wonder if he's going to price himself out looking for something that along the lines of what the Rangers gave Nemeth. Because if he did that, 
then what the, why did you just do that? That was Anthony, wasn't it? That's Anthony, yeah. <laughs> Didn't know you could do that, but um, yeah, I, I would I would say if anything, um, I think he prices himself out unless he's willing to take something close to what he's already making. And I don't see why he would do that with hitting free agency. Yeah, I was going to add to that. When Staple did his who stays, who goes piece for the Rangers, he had he had Mikola in the goner category for the Rangers, saying that he, he's, they're likely not going to be able to you know, re-sign. So, I mean, who knows? Obviously, you never know what can happen if the Rangers were to make him a little bit of an offer that he felt he couldn't refuse. It's possible, but it seemed, that, at least in his opinion, that he's not going to be back. Uh, Mike is asking right here. Uh, oddly enough, his name is Michael Sullivan, by the way. Uh, <laughs> is is it possible that the the Rangers' next coach could be someone that we haven't mentioned yet? Not at this point, I don't think. Yeah, I don't see it. I, I, I don't. I don't see it. Then again, who had John Hines on the radar? So, I mean, uh, I still can't believe that's happening. I, I can at least see John Hines just because of the fact that. Um, He's got NHL experience. He's a very well-experienced coach. Not that he's got great experience, but he's well-experienced. Somebody that's, like, not out of the uh, blue, that's like a rookie head coach that's not thought of yet, no, I can't see it. Again, I'm going to go back to what I've said throughout the start of this. I have a hard time seeing Chris Drury trying to sell Jim Dolan on a, a rookie head coach coming into a pressure cooker and trying to get a team that want they that he wants to win a Stanley Cup Finals within either now or within the next couple of years. So I I, I have a very very hard time seeing this. Um, Mike, I'm going to disagree with you on this one, which was Patrick Wall not even being part of the conversation was a problem. He was part of the conversation. It's just that he wasn't the solution. And again, I, I don't think Patrick Wall is the answer anyway. Why? Like, see, that's the thing. I don't get why are people so in love with Patrick Wawa because he had he, one good season. He's a Hall of Famer. And he's a Hall of Fame player. I mean, yeah, he had he had a great rookie year as a rookie head coach. He called lightning in a bottle. But look at the two years after that; they were terrible. They were terrible. Phil had a falling out with Joe Sackick. You don't think those guys were good friends? Uh, yeah, they were teammates for what, 96, 7, 8, 9, 2001, 2, 3, 8 seasons. Yeah. 8 seasons they were teammates for. Um, not saying teammates can't have fallouts or problems in the locker room or anything like that, but to me, I, I just don't understand why people are uh, clamoring for a, a player that he was a great player and then had one good year as a coach, but he also hasn't coached in, in all in what seven years now, seven years. He's since he's been a coach in the NHL. Right. I'm still not seeing these great X's and O's guy. I know one of the guys was telling me about that this week and we were talking about it. No, I don't see it. I don't see it. But again, Mike, I know Tommy, I know I highlighted yours. I got to go back to Mike's on this one. I know what you're saying, Mike, but, Heinz, different story. Laviolette has had success. How do you how do you not look at his track record? 
and think – I mean, he took Nashville to the Stanley Cup Finals. The problem I have with a lot of this, the, the conversation and the dialogue that I see online is, oh, well, what Laviolette did was useless because he did it back in 2006. Okay. So he's taken two teams to Stanley Cup Finals in 2010 and in 2017. Correct. 2017 is fairly recently, six years ago. Then these are the same people that say that guys like Jay Leach, who hasn't won a damn thing anywhere as an assistant, anything, he hasn't won at any level, is a great, is a better idea, better option for this team right now in a win-down mode than Peter Laviolette. Like, I really want to see how these people would sell this nonsense and this agenda-driven propaganda to a team's owner that wants yeah. to win a cup either between sometime between now and 2027. How and, how are you how are you selling this? And to, to go owner? on a different level, one of the reasons why, and I uh, unfortunately we just lost Anthony a second ago, that Lane Lambert was hired by the Islanders is because there was starting to be a bidding war for him. Detroit wanted him. A couple other teams were inquiring on him. And they basically said, well, if he's going to be our coach anyway, we might as well make him the coach. You know, there's, I mean, who's knocking on Jay Leach's door? I mean, Spencer Carberry took the, the Washington job. That's not exactly a sexy job right now. Hey, congratulations. You're now going to preside over an aging roster. And uh, also, then you have to... Uh, you're basically getting Alex Ovechkin to break the goal record, and then after that, what else? Maybe they're there, and I, I hear that they got young talent. Where? I, I, I just don't see that one happening. Um. And again, and, I, and again, I understand getting guys to make the, people held accountable. Lobby uh, Lett's done that. Uh, but Tommy had the question earlier. Which, uh, the question of any of the available a captain is terrible. I don't yeah. understand what they were thinking giving him that. Yeah. And by the way, they're in a win now and they can still develop some talent. Give me the guy with the 20 years experience. Don't give me Mark Messier and then hope, oh, he's gonna do he's gonna come in. Like I love that one, Phil, because I still love that one. Mark Messier, absolutely, because he's gonna develop young talent. And yeah, John, you're right about that one. That's, that's, that's what I'm getting at with this. Where are they getting, where are people getting the basis to call these rookie head coach options good? And it's the same basis where you would, you would get to call Mark Messier a good head coach. Mark Messier has never coached in any level anywhere, hasn't done anything, hasn't coached even like Pee Wee, stuff like that. He, you know, uh, he did coach guys like Leach and he Carver, did coach like, sixteen-year-olds. Right. I found that one out recently. He coached sixteen-year-olds. Yeah. When? Where? Years ago. Uh, one of the guys that comes to the Croakers said he coached against him at one point. Wow. Well, that's great. So yeah. He, so basically, he was what? Basically, your people were going to try to make the. They're going to try to bridge the connection and say that he's Marty San Luis like. No, uh, no, I'm not buying that. I'm not buying that. Um, I would, I would say this. You have a team that's looking 
to try to get to the Stanley Cup Finals. If you're going to bring in a coach to do that, handle players, young and older alike, keep the players accountable and get on top of the leadership group, who's actually decent with X's and O's, Laviolette's really the only guy that's going to check all of those boxes. Hines isn't. He's not a winner. Hasn't won anything at the NHL level. Track record's mediocre. Um, Sullivan would be the ideal guy, but he's not available. Quenville, I think, I have a feeling they're waiting on. Yeah, and this is the thing. Amanda, that's that's what Gallant was. Gallant leaned on the veterans. He was too soft. He didn't, he didn't have an answer for anything when things got tough. And that's why the players turned around and told the post that they were looking for help. And then that led to what I believe, that big blow up between Drury and the coaching staff. And that's what ultimately sealed Gallant's fate. And look, Drury has to get this right because if he doesn't, he's fired. Yeah. This is less coach. You're not going to bring in a rookie head coach on the brink of losing your job. And for anyone who thinks that Chris Drury has this great job security, I don't know what to tell you, but that's not the case. It's not the He's case. He's not Glenn Sather. He is not Sather. He might have he, – he was under Gorton. And, I, I mean, again, Drury was hired as an assistant under Gorton. He was not Sather's protege. He was Gorton's. So Drury is the last link to a regime that failed – couldn't get it done, and ended up having a lot of controversy under it between the crap with Tony D'Angelo, the the Tom Wilson stuff. Yeah, and Everest, you're right about that. Those contracts absolutely hold the Rangers back. Panarin doesn't play like his contract, and, and Truba is maybe worth a quarter of what he makes because Truba is just terrible. The only thing he's actually halfway decent at is lining up players for open ice hits. Doesn't play good defense in his own zone. He isn't a good leader. Doesn't contribute offensively. I mean, it just, yeah, it, it exactly. If this hire doesn't get the team to the finals, Drury isn't around to pick the next guy. That's it. Because he's gone with this coach. That's it. It's what it comes yep. down to. And, yeah, I, I do agree with this. You, you do move – Truba, after that contract becomes a, 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 a no trade clause, a, you're gonna probably have to eat trade. half the money. But yeah, you I, do. I don't know about half, but you you're gonna have to eat something, and you may have to get you may or may have to give up an asset to move it. Um, also, by the way, uh, Mike was bringing this one up that DQ came in as a development coach. His first order of business was to win. Now, yeah, because again, he went with oh well. Uh, Breadman likes to have play with Strom. Why don't I put those two together? Fuck you. You got to, you got, they invested in Capo Caco. You got to see what's there. Instead, yeah. bench. Guy yeah, had six and- goals in his first six weeks as a New York Ranger. But you know what? Nothing. What do you teach him? Don't handle the puck. turned down interviews for other general manager spots. Why would he use? Because Dolan wanted to pick him because Dolan felt that he was the guy that was closest to the job and understood the situation. He's not – he is Sather's guy. 
say their whispered in Dolan's ear, and I've said this before, and I'll continue to say it again. Say their whispered in his ear. Say there has been whispering in Dolan's ear the whole time. I know how the relationship is between the two of them. I have people who confirm this for me. So, you know what? I'm telling you right now, Drury, does, they don't get back to the finals with this next head coach. Drury's gone. Watch. I know we're going to have to wait a while, but watch. I'm telling you it will happen. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to have to agree with you on that one, Phil, because I just I, – I think his patience is going to wear thin. He's going to say, well, I tried the rebuild with everybody, but you didn't. You didn't do you didn't do the rebuild because as soon as this team showed that they could make the playoffs, started going for it. No, I mean they mishandled, they completely fumbled the Henry Gonquist retirement. They've there hasn't been much that they've done. Like the the young players that they brought in are good, they're not great. And this this next coach has got to develop this young talent and keep them winning. I understand that's a big checklist, but that's what you have to do. You can't just go, all right, I'm going to bench people for Dryden Hunt like he's done something in this league. And Phil and I drank the Kool-Aid, but it looked like, who knows, he could be the next Riley Smith. But no, instead. I drank the Kool-Aid. No, I mean, not that we drank the Kool-Aid, but we were pretending like it was possible when he had that. I never pretended any of that. Now you're putting words in my mouth, but I I was never that high on Dryden Hunt. Okay, maybe we weren't that high. Um I'll have to go back on the tapes on some of this, but no, I mean, but maybe we thought that they might've caught, caught lightning in a bottle with Dryden hunt, but then Dryden hunt went back to being Dryden hunt. Like Colin Blackwell. People thought Colin Blackwell was the wave of the future. Uh, that, no, it does not give you a certain amount of job security. You, you, you realize that all he's going to do is going to he's going to get the time that it takes to evaluate the head coach. That's it. That's not job security, dude. That's like living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah, it's not. It, the fact that you think that he has job security, I, I you are you are woefully wrong on this. I'm, I'm just there was there right an expression. There was an expression that uh, we used to say when it was back when I was in film school, which was. Actresses get one bad movie. Male actors get two bad movies. My next question was, why does Bruce Willis get five? But that's a different story. Um, you, you, you're a GM. You get two coaches. You don't often get a third. Yeah. I, and, and by the way, guys, Morgan Barron is not anything. Yeah, Morgan. Uh, can Montreal acquire... Pierre-Luc Dubois without giving up Lane Hudson or Kirby Doc. I don't think so. I don't, I don't think so either. I think one of them is going in that deal, Anthony. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, I definitely. I, I would agree with you, Amanda. I, Dolan needs to keep his hands off the team. I do agree with you. I you know, Tom, I'm not going to say that it was an overreaction because I look back at a lot of the things that Gordon did and Gordon hamstrung this team with a lot of bad deals. So, yep. yeah. Like what would have been next? And Gordon's not exactly lighting up the world in Montreal. Everybody wants to say how good of a job he is. Go ahead. Wait, wait for it. He's going to overreach. He was bidding against himself for Jacob Truba and he bid too much. 
Oh. How did he give Jacob Truba eight friggin' million? When eight he, years, when eight he million. Wanted specifically to come to New York, got him on the trade, and didn't have to go and bid against himself. And then once again, within a month, lost his job. This is factually incorrect. 2004 trade deadline was when Glenn Sather gave James Dolan the ultimatum to take the hands off the team. Told him he had to do it. And Dolan took his hands off the team. And the team prospered. What attraction does Dubas have to being to going to Pittsburgh? Like, realistically speaking, you're talking about the twilight years of Crosby, Malkin, and Latang, And you got that horrendous goaltending situation. I do not care what people say. Connor Hallbrook may fix the problem a little bit, but uh, it's not completely there. What attraction! I, I mean, now I, I, I'm. Is he? Are you asking if what the attraction was for Pittsburgh's end or for Dubis's end? Because the oh, okay, yeah. that's what I want to know with this question. I think Chris is asking on um on the Pittsburgh end. Because if it's the Pittsburgh end that he's asking about, I mean, they saw a young general manager who understands analytics, who likes to use them. Um, and I, I think if anything, um, I, I would I would say that it's a young, fresh mind. Uh, and I, I would I would be I'd be happy to get him just because he's a guy that could bring a culture change to this team, but he also understands youth and then you have to get younger to win. Just who is the general manager for this team now? Because he's president of hockey operations. So who does he hire as general manager? It's a great question. Cause that's the thing. He, they want to bring in a GM that's going to be under him. And again, I, I also look at his track record, Philk. I don't see a guy with massive amounts of success. If the Maple Leafs decide, let's say Austin Matthews leaves uh, next year the, when he's a UFA, are the Maple Leafs set up for success for a long time? Like that, that Matthews contract is on Dubas, and he screwed that up. When they said, oh, you don't want five years? No, you're going to take eight or you're going to take seven. You walked them right to free agency? Like, yeah. Uh, who's I the great know. prospects that are coming up there? And don't give me Matthew Nyes. Nyes is going to be a good player. But, I mean, listen, I remember, and you, I don't know if you remember this as well as I do because I, I've been in, in, in talking hockey over the internet going back to, I would say, the late 90s. I remember when Carlo Coliacobo was supposed to be like the next Bobby mm. Orr. And, and, I, and I'm not I, – I, I'm, I'm, I'm going a little overboard with the Bobby Orr comparison, but Carlo Coliacobo was, was deemed by Maple Leafs fans and Canadian media to be a future Norris winner. No joke. This guy was going to be one of the best defensemen in the entire league. You would have asked anybody around 99, 2000, somewhere in that range, maybe 2001. 
yeah, I, I was I was talking hockey on other forums that probably aren't even around anymore. And the word that I got from Leafs fans, Canadian hockey fans in general, was that Coley Hakovo was supposed to be one of the great – he was going to be a, a great defenseman. Like, borderline generational was what they were talking about him being. And he just never lived up to that. Never lived up to it. He was decent. He was okay. But he was borderline generational from those guys. And just – Never made it. Um, We've seen players and prospects just kind of burn out over time. That's one of them. But again, the the Toronto media and Canadian media in general is hard on general managers. I think they may have been a little hard on Dubas. Dubas made all the right moves, if you ask me to go get the guys that he had been lacking for so many years. And it just, he couldn't address the goaltending situation. And if that's what got him the ax, okay, I get it. He had years to do it. But the options that have been available over the last few years, unless you caught lightning in a bottle and used a a third or fourth round pick like the Rangers did on a Shesterkin, and he just all of a sudden just blew up and panned out, there was no way that they were going to get the goaltender that they needed. There was just no way. Yeah. Where, where are you getting that from? Unless they went and, and, and gave into Anaheim's demands for Gibson, then um, even if Gibson was available, we don't even know if he's really ever been available truly. So. Well, unfortunately guys, we're going to have to start the music and start getting out of here. I myself, I have got a dinner date, and um, yeah, I mean, it, it's also Don't keep waiting, guy. Yeah, uh, it's been a great. It's always been a great time. We actually stretched a lot out of this out of this uh, video because we've we've just had a lot of things that we had to cover, and uh, a lot of good questions you guys came on with there. Again, 10,000 followers. It's great to have that. It's great to have all you guys that are still paying attention. And um, I myself, uh, yeah, like like I said, well, that just shot up in volume. Yeah. All right. Okay. So anyway, uh, anyway, but everybody, thank you very much. Uh, Phil's got some AEW to watch. And like I said, I got to go see my girlfriend. I got a birthday dinner to attend. So, uh, everybody, thank you very much. And because uh, after all, tomorrow is, her, is Maria's birthday. So, happy birthday, Maria. And uh, yeah, happy birthday, Maria. Yeah. All right. Guys, everybody, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, we're going to have a lot more stuff for you coming up. Don't worry about that. But thank you. <laughs>